You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast. And on Twitter, Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 470th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in the home of the U.S. Marathon Trials, Orlando, Florida. Oh, wow. I forgot. This is going to be a running episode show. I should have known. This is Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer out in the city, beautiful Holyoke, Massachusetts, where you guys, a bunch of cycle cross happened this weekend. And I know that's not usually our thing, but I feel like we need to touch on it. Because uh, I thought we were yes. a running podcast first. And then we were a, then we're a road and then a cyclocross podcast. We're going to do cyclocross no, first. No, cyclocross next because there's running in cyclocross. That's a good point. That's a good there's point. There's only running and in road racing and when you're Chris Froome. The, the running this weekend was perfectly placed planks on an uphill. Yeah. Which were awesome. Was it awesome? Really? There's a, there's a hill in Orlando. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're talking cyclocross. We're talking oh. cyclocross. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Um, wow. So Cyclocross World Championships were in Tabor, Czech Republic. It was Stybar's last ever race. How awesome was that? Pretty it was sweet. good. Pretty sweet. I guess it's a good way to end it if you can't get another contract, unfortunately. I saw they had uh, a little setup of some of his World Championship bikes kind of on display, which was cool. They yeah. did not have... The duplicate of the model of his bike that I rode for a couple seasons, unfortunately. Um, oh, you should have sent it over. I could have sent it. I don't have it anymore. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know. So, so Stybar finished in 31st, looking pretty good, but a top 10 for uh, Michael Boros, who owes everything to Stybar. Um, <laughs> Does but- he? You know, pretty. That's one way to put it. I don't know. Just just assuming. Michael Boros has been like a consistent presence in the cross scene since forever. I feel like. Stybar retired. I mean, no. I mean, he. I think he was on the Czech team when we when we were in at Louisville. I mean, Boros is. Yeah. Boros is before time. We have. MVDP takes the win. 40 seconds over. A shocking win. Newenhouse. Shocking. That was and shocking. Michael Michael Van Tort make eh was it? You know, you know no. what was shocking. The best of the rest all year. No. What was shocking about his victory really mm-hmm. was that all the photos I saw of him like doing a grand gesture to the Canyon bike like at the finish line yeah. and this whole flourish and all that stuff perfectly framed, beautiful shots, tons of great photography coming out of there. Um a lot of wide angle podium affiliated photographers including Bill and uh, and some of the CX Airs uh, crew out there, but not a single competitor in the background anywhere to be seen. Had no. so much time to do all this like pomp and circumstance, and the photos look immaculate. So kudos to uh, MVDP for absolutely like the, crushing it. He, I like the muddy course with the full white socks, like very crisp. It was looking good, but yeah, uh, yeah. dominating win. Yeah. Little guy, before you continue, do you know who got 16th place? I do oh. not know who got 16th place. No. 
French cyclocross hero. Yeah. Venturini. Uh, that's good. I was hoping for a top 10 from him, but. Well, Lars Vandehar was two seconds away in 15th place. But um, anyways, look, what'd you think of the men's elite race before we get into the Dutch domination on the women's side? I thought it was the perfect race to watch a eight minute highlight reel of on the Internet and not watch the whole thing as much. I mean, obviously tip the cap to Vanderpool. Holy cow. I mean, that first rise in the course, that was it. It was over. Uh, Utter domination. Then on the. On the women's side, the domination continues for Femme Van Empel, taking the win a minute 20 up on Brand and Puck Petiers. Shout out to Claren Hansinger in eighth place and Marion Norbit Ribeirolet, a Belgium in 16th place. Nice. Um, little, little closer, still pretty dominant, though. I, I think I was more bummed that uh, uh, Alvarado wasn't on the podium. Yeah, oh. she ended up fourth, right? I think. Anyway. Yes. At least in the women's race, occasionally after the beginning of the race, you could see a competitor. <laughs> so you could you could imagine that like if a problem occurred at the front, you might you might get some something. You might yeah. get a race. But yeah, yeah. I I felt for Alvarado too. Like she had such a good season. I feel like she deserved a little more. Yeah, out of the season, I mean, just she, just yeah. in general, she did have a good season. Um, I mean, she could have she could have done worse and gotten seventh. That's that's true. That's true. It's possible. How do you guys feel for? I feel like the, Tim Tim feels like there's a punchline. Yeah, there, I, I don't, don't think, think it's a joke. I think we're just moving on. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, thanks for not acknowledging it. I I don't actually know I, what the we, joke we is. What is the joke? What you were going for? Yeah. Well, Anne Marie Worst got seventh. Oh, all right, all right. I'm not looking at the sheet. Wow. <laughs> okay, that's, that's good. A real all thinker. Right. Okay. Solid, all right. Solid. Yeah, yeah. I don't even shout, know shout what I was going to say. Shout out to the five say, listeners so. that got it before you. Yeah. You guys. Um, yeah, men's not, yeah. under 23 was <laughs> won by Tibor uh, Del Grasso of the Netherlands. We have women's under 23 was won by Zoe Backstedt of the UK. And then men's junior win, Italy what? takes the Italy. top step. Stefano I... Vienzi. I like it. And and on the women's side, it was France. French cyclocross with first place for Celia Gary. Oh, hope so for congratulations. The so there you go. Their yeah. future is bright in yeah. non-Belgian cyclocross. Yeah. This I... is arguably the worst the worst site the worst cyclocross world championships for the Belgians ever. <laughs> I think we've been saying that for the last like five or six years as they as they yeah. plummet down. I mean, Van Tornado at least made the podium, but yeah, it's tough. It's tough going. So Cyclocross was there. The season is over. Um, so yeah, overall, is Van, is this the last time we're going to see Matthew Vanderpool at Cyclocross? Not World a chance. Six? No. Six titles. Can you tell me why Wout wasn't there in Pitcock? Like, they just waving the white flag. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, was there a point? I think their coaches, <laughs> their coaches said, "Let's not get embarrassed. Let's go train." I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they said early on that that was their plan. So I guess we can't say that they yeah. like backed out once Vanderbilt showed up with the world's most insane yeah. form. But I don't know. Different strokes. Different I know folks. there's still. St- I know there's still some racing going on with the, you know, super prestige and all of that, but 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I guess that I want Cyclocross to be back. Um, it is back. Just kind of. It was just kind of a boring season for me. Well, I guess maybe you'll get your wish. Maybe Vanderpool won't do as much cross next year, and you'll get more exciting racing. But then, will you watch it then, Tim? I don't. I don't think you did the last couple yeah. of years when Vanderpool. The years he was gone. And, <laughs> no, I've watched, and it was I've watched exciting. Some, but but I mean, like, yeah, I just let's remember back. Was, let's remember back to the early season before Vanderpool showed up and just won everything <laughs> except the one time. We had we had on the men's side. We had some standouts like Neiman House had a huge year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that he's first human yeah. by getting second place. And as much as he obviously wanted <laughs> to win worlds. The fact that he's on the podium and won some World Cups, like he stepped it up this year, and yeah. that should be acknowledged. Like so, in a way that he'd always been a good rider, but like he definitely stepped it up. Pim stepped it up this year. Like you had a bunch of guys step up their level to where the without Vanderpool there, it was super competitive across a whole bunch yeah. of guys. Like Van Tornout has always been strong, late for a couple of years, but like there were other guys that actually challenged them. Um. So I kind of think it's kind of a kind of looking good on the men's side. Like, you know, like look at the guys, look at the yeah. top 15, 16 so, in the men's race. Like some of those guys that got hosed today won World Cups earlier in the year. So like, it, like yeah. there was a wide swath of fast guys, I guess is what I'm saying. No, I, I hear you. I mean, it's like cross is fun, but we gave it 10 minutes on. the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, so move, on. Let's move on. Let's move on. It's road season, um, man. They're so racing this, Spain, France. No, uh, well, yeah, but first, let's talk about me. Um, this weekend <laughs> was the U.S. Marathon trials. Uh-huh. It was a lot of fun. There was probably one hundred twenty-five thousand people on the side of the road. It was about a eight-mile loop that they did like three times, and they did like one two-mile like mini circuit. Oh, on the broadcast that was on Peacock, they kept referring to it as a Criterium-style race. What does so that my, mean? Um, well, I, I would think that there's actually a circuit race um, because <laughs> anybody knows that anything yeah. over two miles is a circuit. Um, but I was blown away by the amount of people. Um, it was cool. The racing was about two hours, two hours, 15 minutes. Uh, I, th- I think 208 was the, the men's winner and then 222 for the women. Really cool to see. A couple of um, things that I took away that I wanted to share with you both. Okay. Um, the first, the first one is, um, the aforementioned course was cool. About three laps, lots of people out. Um, surprise bike races don't try this kind of thing a little bit more often. Uh-huh. Um, you know, smaller condensed course in a urban environment with lots of people around. It's uh-huh. a wild and, idea. What if they ruin the what's grass? Crazy though, is or something. No, they don't ruin the grass. But what was really cool about it was that the race started at noon and like the roads were open by like twelve thirty. So it was actually kind of smart. I don't know. Someone, uh, cycle, uh, cycling promoters should think about doing this mm-hmm. in big cities. So well, that was, that was ideal. The hot tip. Problem is, is you got to have the Masters race, and then you got to have yeah. the Masters forty-five race, and then you got to have the Masters fifty-five race, and then you got to have yes. the four-five yeah. race, and then the four and then, race, and then ooh. three four race, and then the threes, and then the juniors got to have the course all yeah. to themselves, and then all the um, same things for the women's races too. Because yes, we want right. to make sure we do it equally. That's right. And, and so yeah, it's going to take a whole weekend. The whole weekend. Yeah. So that was ideal one. That was ideal one. Okay. Um, or thing two. But the second is I want to give a shout out to um 
the running brand Trexmith. And the reason why is that they continued, like, they basically sponsored, I would say 25% of the field was in Tracksmith branded, like, kit. But they sponsored... Uh, unbranded up, branded kit, you mean? Because yeah. they're like basically the Rafa of running. It's the Rafa of running. The founder of it was, like, the original co-founder of Rafa. Yeah. But what's what's amazing with what Tracksmith did was like they sponsored probably 20% of the field. Um, but it ended up being about 90% of the back markers. Like, like the final half of the field was all Tracksmith kit, nice. right? Whereas probably couldn't afford front of the field like everyone in Puma, Asics, like all the big shoe companies had one or two studs on the men's and women's side probably making lots of money. And then it was uh-huh. like all of the party in the back folks wearing Tracksmith. It was um it was noticeable in that like other people were like, what team is this with the sash? Are they from New England prep school? And you're like, yeah, it's pretty. They much are it. basically, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, it was it was it was pretty cool. It was uh, definitely something noticeable. But um yeah. Anyways, Peacock was out live coverage. It was great to Do see you. Uh, and, Tim, I'm or, sure you don't know off the top of your head, but uh, what was the entry fee to get in this race? Oh, I don't know, but I do like, know that you had to. You had to be a qualifying time of two eighteen. Okay, because I'm I'm still like I'm hearkening back to you comparing this to bike racing and saying promoters should do it, and I'm like, if you got to shut down the street even for just a couple hours, you know the cops oh, in the city is... are like charging them through the roof for this. Oh, they got millions of dollars from the tax money, like the bed tax for tourists. That's what uh-huh. paid for this. And then the next day was the Pro Bowl. It was a big weekend in Orlando. Just. America's sports town. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I got it. Amazingly, they made Orlando look cool on TV too. It was kind of weird. Like you're like, oh, that's my neighborhood. It looks really nice. And then every time they come back from commercial, it would be like an advertisement for Universal Studios. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, I have a, uh, I have a question, Sam. You said they're billing yes. it as a criterion, but did anybody pee in your yes, yard? And, uh, no. Okay, no. then it wasn't a criterion. Um, because if it was a criterion, someone would have peed. Someone would have peed in your yard. And also, unlike a criterion, Peak Tim would not have been able to qualify for the Olympic. Trials. Oh, all right, interesting. Um, so let's uh, let's get into the road a little bit, and then we'll talk. Um, and obviously, we got some great listener emails, and then I I've got one of the coolest things in cycling this week. I'd like to bring that back. Maybe we'll talk about that around swap time. Okay. Well, I've, I've got I've got big road news. That I want to get to. Yeah. I don't care what no, like, guy has to like say. <laughs> this was your like, this was your best thing in bike this week that you had submitted on well, the old uh, Slack channel. So Spencer, take it away. This one's good. No, no, no. I mean, I don't know. I actually don't know what you're leading into here, but I'm just going to go with what I was going to say, which is um, Do it. the the Red Bull news dropped that they're that they're sponsoring uh, Bora. Yeah, um, it's official, and that's like. Pretty cool, right? Like Red, ago, yeah. Red Bull yeah. getting 50, back into bikes in a fifty-one percent ownership. Yeah, in a bigger way. Like this is this is serious business, right? And uh, we had all those rumors uh, over the uh, kind of early winter, end of road season, um, that Jumbo was going to be getting a new co-sponsor, and uh, the rumors yeah. were flying that it was going to be Amazon. Amazon, and we made all these yeah. jokes about Amazon Primrose Prime. and uh, yeah. yeah. Turns out, Primo's no longer there, and neither was Amazon. 
and now they are Jumbo Lisa bike. Yeah. And like, who came out you... better in the, like going into the off season, we were like, oh man, Jumbo on top of the world coming out of the off season. Jumbo looking kind of like shaky. Are you saying, are you suggesting like Lisa bike is like a like a Ponzi scheme? Like like it's gonna I, be the new team coast. I would you like... never suggest anything like that. I'm just saying I've comparing the world's biggest company to Lisa Bike is uh, it's a significant step down. Do we know what do we know what Lisa Bike is? I assume they lease bikes, there. but that's about all I've discerned. Sounds like a taunt some like third graders would have to another Another kid yeah. named Lisa. You know, oh, there goes Jumbo Lisa Bike again. <laughs> oh, God. So, so Lisa Bike. Ouch. So Lisa, wow. Lisa Bike is a company that leases bikes to corporations and their employees in several European countries. Okay. So basically it's a scheme to, uh, to get <laughs> Make it sound you know, your legit. people, your workers on bikes. No scheme over there in Europe, the little guy is like a, a is a good good term. It's not like here, like CD scheme. Oh okay, yeah, yeah, I'd say scheme is like kinda, yeah. like a plan. Like your pension over there is called a scheme sometimes. Yeah, yeah, kind of okay. like how it's they spell color with a U and we yeah, don't. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Means we do spell, totally different. We do spell glamour with a U. We do. We've heard about that do we? recently. We do. There's a whole yeah. Saturday Night Live skit about it. You can- that's right not just about that that was like about four, four weeks ago it was yeah great Saturday Night Live. <laughs> one of the best ones that i've seen the last i mean i i this is off topic but i just read a book about measurement and so that that skit was oh, like so up my alley yeah. that i just read like 400 pages about <laughs> the history of measurement so that was like that skit was perfect that's right is that okay? Let's let's go into a book corner so, real quick. Is that like Are a, you on a, a thriller or a mystery or a... <laughs> yeah? No, it's just just a history of, of measurement. It was a lot of talked just a lot about the metric system and and and, and weights okay. and measures through Never time and stuff. I forget the name of the book actually. So, I I didn't know we were gonna so go to this. I don't remember the name of the book. So, so that good skit that skit was awesome. The skit was right up your alley. But um, you want to know what I'm reading right now, little guy? Yeah, I know it. you think that would be the follow up to the world according to G. But uh, I'm getting back to uh, basics. I I'm I'm reading the Maltese Falcon. Oh, that's a good Tim, one. Tim's in a uh, Tim's in a uh, film noir uh, noir scheme right now. It's pretty yeah. good. Or stage. Dashiell yeah. Hammett, one of my favorite authors. Tim, uh, Dude, when you finish that, thank you. Please tell me more. Like this is an amazing book. I'm flying when, through this. I'm when like, you finish that book, read the Red Harvest. Yeah, Red Harvest. that's good too. This is true. Spencer's Spencer's not lying, people. I've been in Spencer's apartment, and and there's a stack of Dashiell Hammett books. It's, it's, it's there is it's for sure. Got one on my nightstand. Um, I can't. I'm trying to look up the book I read because I can't remember the name of it. But does, does that mean we're friends, Spencer? By the end, are you impressed yeah. with me right now? I, I honestly, this is the most impressive thing you've brought in years. I, I, I would say. I like. Oh. I could see you. Your eyes are twinkling. It's like you're excited to see me. This feels so good. I feel like we just reestablished our 20 years yeah, of friendship. Yeah, well, you know, after that, after you get, after you dip the toe in Dashiell Hammett, maybe you can check out some Raymond Chandler uh, after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Raymond Chandler. Is that Perry Mason? Mm, yeah, sure. No. <laughs> Tim, if you're into <laughs> some, read some, uh, right. read some Richard Stark too. That's some good stuff. Hey, well, let's slow down uh, guys. I'm just, listen, just getting listen, on the Dashiell Hammett. Listen to the guy who brought you, um, 
What was your radio show called here on the Slow Ride Podcast? I don't Slow know. Ride? I don't remember what it was called. Pedal Off Dead, I think. <laughs> Pe- Pedal Off Dead. Pedal That's off what dead. it was. Radio uh, Noir. Uh, the pandemic did a lot of weird things to this podcast. Can we bring that back? Can we bring back yeah. a, uh, a radio play, little guy? I, got a, I think I, people get it. I got ideas. All. Yeah, I got some ideas. So hopefully okay. at some point. Um, okay. Before we move so, on out of Book Corner, the book I read it was very interesting. It's called Beyond Measure by James Vincent, if you want to learn about the metric system and uh-huh. weights and measures. Cool. It's good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. an inch is an inch, but it's also 2.54 centimeters. Little guy, I can't fathom how good that book is. How much else do you need to write? I mean, I just pretty much summed it up. It's a good book. Trust me. <laughs> Somebody else read it and back me up. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. Somebody else get on that because I'm yeah, not going to. I can't wait. I can't wait for the ton of listener emails we're going to be getting about that. <laughs> you never know. I mean, I'd swear the things we talk about that get get engagement i never we can never guess it's it's true it's very often not the bike related content <laughs> this would be the hottest segment on the show in weeks ah <laughs> uh, but right, anyway so um so so there's that there's jumbo lisa bike so spencer i would say uh jumbo is on the way down definitely uh, in cell cell mode primo's, red bull is primo's looking like a hero <laughs> jump ship to the the team that just is Gonna go through the roof. He this had year. to have known. He had, he had to. Have to. Known. Oh yeah, he to. yeah. He was supposedly yeah. at the Red Bull office, like in the last year before the deal happened. Yeah. I mean, like he's in on so, it. I don't know. Yeah, he's in on it. So that it gets doesn't the next even question. matter if they get results. Like they're, he's just gonna get all the marketing buzz. It's gonna be amazing. So, so the um the next the next part here. So you got Jumbo Lisa bike. You've got Bora Red Bull or whatever, Ineos Grenadiers, and now you have. The Saudi Racing League. Yeah. Apparently, the 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 investment arm of the Saudi government that gave us Live Golf um, is now going to create and invest two hundred and fifty million dollars into a rival pro cycling league. It's a lot of money. No conversations have been had yet with with uh, Tour de France or RCS, but it looks like Ineos Grenadiers and others are involved. Um, I. Here's the question. Yeah. Uh-huh. Why wouldn't they just buy the Tour de France? Because I don't think ASL wants to sell. Like, yeah, it's a French ego. They're not they're not gonna the sell to the Saudis. Like I, I as much as they want that money, like, man, can how if you were French and you sold the tour, you couldn't live in France anymore. <laughs> like nobody would <laughs> yeah, nobody they probably would don't already though. Like I just you no know? it just baffles my mind that I mean the tour has the ultimate hand here, right? So this is the thing that Valder's always wanted, like teams with salary caps, all of that. Yep. And it's like, yeah, but you still need to do the Tour de France and you need to do the Giro. And until that is broken, and then also the fact that they own Flanders and Roubaix, like you're going to have to create bike races that out of thin air. Like, and that's why you get Tour de Oman or, or whatever. Well, and that's, yeah, that's, it's just like, you pick like, the where worst are you going to create ones. these races? You also got the Hammer Series. Well, what did they, what did they just, so the Saudi Tour just happened some point in this last week, but it rebranded into the same name as whatever resort sponsors the Jayco team, the Alua or whatever, which confused the hell out of me because I kept seeing like Simon Yates is leading this race and I was like, what is this race? And I did just enough research to go, oh, I don't care. It's the Saudi tour. I never cared about the Saudi tour. But, yeah, you're right, Tim. How are they going to 
Like, what are they going to do? Unless Flanders Classic sells all their races or something and gives them a like a little in, you know. I mean, we all know yeah, that they're going to buy the Italian races first. Like, if anyone's going to sell it first, I feel like it's going to be the well, Italian. Flanders. Yeah, the, Fl- the Flanders races would probably sell too. I feel like there's more. Like the French ones and the Belgian ones, there's more national identity. Like not that there isn't with the Italian ones, but it just feels like the national identity is so wrapped up in those races that selling them to an investment arm of another country um, feels well hard. But it's all they all they need to do is hire, like, offer to buy the Tour de France, but then also say we are going to fund the French national cycling team and create the next generation of great French cyclists. So yeah, you guys can actually yeah. win the tour de France or place highly in it, which you famously don't do unless you're maybe a retired mountain biker who just does the tour for fun one year. Yeah. For, for not getting the, all, all the other French so, GC hopes of the last year is getting really thrown under the bus by Spencer 10 yeah. plus years ago. Yeah. For not. Um, Let's, um, Let's take it to uh, one step further. What I was going to bring to the table for one of the coolest things I've seen in the world of bike and yeah. give a shout out to Ronan McLaughlin over at Escape for this is the little write up on the new prototype Akoi pedals. Yeah. Have you seen, have either of you seen these? Spencer, have you seen these? No. I don't know anything about them. You're going to have to fill me in because I don't know what's going on. They are by far the sexiest looking pedal platform <laughs> I've ever seen. So like the it's like not whoa, much pedal platform. itself. Whoa. There's like, I know I'm a time. I'm all about time. It doesn't and, sound like it to me. And, and crank brothers always look great, but these, okay. right. these things, <laughs> these things look awesome. Yeah. Um, I will uh, put the, uh, quick, no, quick, I, I'm, I'm uh, looking at them. It's fine. Okay. So I here's what sets them apart is that the the pedal goes into the the sole of the shoe. So the prototype is right. So it's a recessed. So it's not a standard three bolt pattern where you're walking like a, uh-huh. uh, a penguin. Yeah, yeah. Is that the the there's a recess in the tread of the shoe that then that's where the pedal engages. So it's um, a whole I don't know what this new does for float. version or take on speed play. It is. It is sort of a variation on the on the but, speed play world. But cooler. Yeah. It is but cooler. Way cooler. It's just like, but the, it just it's going to be a tough road for them. It's a cool looking pedal. I agree. And and there's some uh, wattage gains which claims that are unverified. Wattage gains. Okay. You know uh, how it is. Eight, I mean, eight. You do eight uh, watts. You do anything in pro cycling or anything with a pro team. You got to just claim that it 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 throws now, some magic watts your way, and then that's you know. Now, no. little guy, I think that the reason that you like them, like the pedals like me, is because they are on uh, Burgos BH. <laughs> so, like, maybe we'll see them in the Volta or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, we will. One we week, will. Criterium International. But um, we thank the I don't pedals. Know, it just, I don't think I'm going to go buy them. I'm a, you know, I like time. Mm-hmm. But these pedals look really cool. I like the platform and how it looks way better than the Speed Play. And the speed play just looked chunky and weird to me, where these just make they, sense. They look more like a regular pedal than the speed play. Yes. So I'll, I'll give them that. They're much better better looking um, than the speed plays. But uh, I, I got some question marks <laughs> about these. 
Well, I think all of society will. This will actually be at the top. Like, I know there's a lot of big decision being made in the U.S. in November. This this will be decision 1A mm-hmm. yeah. um, to the election. Yeah, yeah. president, so, vice president. How are you vote on the pedals? What kind of road pedals yeah. we're going to ride? <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah. that was uh, something that I saw. Just wanted to uh, see if you both had seen that. Now that you have, um, I know you agree with me that this is, uh, you know, innovation for innovation's sake. That's a word. That's a word. Let's go I mean, straight back to the wind tunnel. It is nice to see somebody because we have been pretty set on the three, three hole bolt on pedal. I mean, it's pretty, it's become kind of standardized. So at least somebody's, you know, (laughs) trying something new. Man, if there's something we hate in biker, uh, (laughs) is standard, uh, standardization. Well, man, we can't let it, can't let a headset or a bottom bracket be uh, one kind of uh, size for too long. And you know what? I don't know how shoes and pedals. Flew under the radar for this long. Good point, You're Spencer. right. We need well, I don't more want platforms it. and more systems. But I do. If if they're going to be pros, they might as well ride weird things. You know, like they might as well ride strange things that are supposed to make them go faster. I mean, I don't want it for me. I'm just riding flat pedals. But how many more watts do the flat pedals give you? Oh, I probably negative watts, but I mean, but, but no, pu- little guy, but come on now. In certain watts. circumstances, under proper testing, we have measured flat pedals to give a gain of at least seven to ten watts. Yeah. Uh, when right. commuting to work on a cargo bike, pushing at least fifty pounds of weight. No, it's true. So what I do know. you think? Like a yeah. What do you think? Like each one of these pedals is what one hundred and twenty-five grams, little guy. I don't know. They look pretty. They look pretty small and light. Guys. But th- but it's it's one of those things, sort so of like speed play, where the that? you're going to transfer some weight to the shoe. So those claimed weights how, are how gonna... many grams in an ounce? Tim, he did he did measurements, uh, like I think length, not weights. Oh no, that's part of measurements. It's all the same. Were weights part of measurements, little guy? <laughs> yeah, weights part. weights and measures. <laughs> yeah, they're two wait, separate well, things. You, you just wait, you just you pre- thought it was. <laughs> You thought it was four hundred. You thought it was four. You thought it was four hundred pages of just measurements and not not weights and measurements. Yeah, four hundred pages of describing the difference between an inch and a centimeter. Yeah, it was only. It was all very focused on inch and a centimeter and nothing else. A lot of politics involved. I mean, they were like the the UK foot Talk makes perfect sense, and the US the foot also pints. makes perfect sense. And the meter makes no sense. Makes perfect perfect sense, yes. <laughs> so what were you saying, yeah. Tim? Oh, I was just, you know, just thinking of grams. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm always um, thinking about grams. Anyways, what we should be doing, what was the name of the author of that book, Logan? I don't know. Vincent James. He didn't even know the title. He definitely doesn't know yeah, the author. Yeah, yeah. I had to I was, Google it again. I mean, I, I, mean, I took I it back thinking, to the library. I, I think it's Vincent James. Could, all right, Vincent James is this week's Prem correspondent, Prem Lab correspondent. Let's check in with Vincent to see how things are going over let's, in let's uh, see the, the UK. Exactly. Maybe he can weigh in on the professional peloton. We could see exactly how far from the line we are <laughs> in this week's Prem Lab. This is Mitch Docker. And you're listening to Life in the Peloton, also the Slow Ride Podcast, afterwards. <laughs> all right, guys, here we are in the Premlap shout-out. To all the listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network, head over to WideAnglePodium.com, where you can find out all about independent cycling media. Once again, shout-out to CX Hairs, 
Bill Scheich and Zach Schuster. And Mike Mike Tornout was um, in New Orleans, crushing it in the media pit and Psychocross Radio. Nailed it. Yeah. 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 Crushed it. Awesome. Uh, yeah, lots of good stuff. Um, Bill's been churning out the work uh, around Cyclocross all season. If you want to get caught up on that, check out Cyclocross Radio, which you can find over at WideAnglePodium.com, where you can also find all our other episodes and all the other episodes of shows on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Uh, yeah, like Rodeo, like Criterium Nation, like uh, Nowhere Fast. We're covering all all aspects of bike over there. And uh, if that's something that you enjoy, check it out. And if it's something that you can support financially, we would greatly appreciate it over here at the Slow Ride Podcast. Um, you could do so by checking out wideanglepodium.com slash donate. Also, awesome. maybe check out the YouTube page too. I always forget to plug that. Bill's yeah, putting in a lot of work on the old video yeah. side of things too. Um, YouTube.com. Wide Angle Podium or WideAnglePodium.com slash YouTube. Let's get back to the show. Hello, this is Shireen from the Last Trek Lions, and I don't listen to the podcast. All right, here we are. We have an overflowing mailbag we'll get to shortly. But first, we need a roundup. We need the report. We need to know, little guy, did you make us proud this weekend at the Great Minnesota Bike Swap? I think I did. I think I did. Uh, I spent... Did you camp out the night before? Wait. No. How much money did you go with in your pocket? I went uh, with $53 cash. $53 cash. Okay. Interesting. Did you, were you selling anything out of a backpack, now, anything to hang trade? Hang on. No. Is 53 like a prime number or something in that weights and measures book? Like, is this, a, no. is there something? <laughs> Here's what 53 is. 53 is the cash I could round up from around the house. It's a very okay. peculiar number. I, okay. Yeah. All right. I don't know if you guys. I don't believe you for with, a second. He started yes. with 5832, but he, you know, he had to, uh, Weigh some granola at the yeah. Uh, yeah. at the co-op. And it was like, I feel like he, he was... forgot to tear the scale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did. I, I I feel like he was reading something and was like, oh, you know, if you if the bike stop starts at nine a.m. and you calculate the you know sixth number on the Fibonacci scale, mm-hmm. you're gonna get fifty three, and so that's the appropriate so, amount of money to bring. So little guy went with $53. Now, little guy, I want to preface this. I did a friend of the pod, Cheddarwurst, a.k.a. Jason Prudham, had a table there and put up some great photos on their Instagram. And I could see what was there. I could see the competition that you were going up against at the tables. And I profiled every one of those tables based (laughs) off of Jason's photos. There were people that you were going to take to the cleaners. And then there's a lot of disappointed people thinking they were going to sell complete bikes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... 53 bucks. You waited in line to get in. You did not get in before the Well, technically, the I tech, I mean, it was supposed to open at 11. I think I walked in at 10:56. They just waved us through. So, but there was already right. 3,000 people in there. It was packed. So, everybody oh, got boy. in early. Everyone got in early. Uh Jason And you did, missed out. Jason did post some pictures 
uh, the ones I saw were from a little later. When I was there, it was it was hard to move in there. It was packed. So it was good. It was a good swap. It was fun. It was needlessly How many stressful. dollars did you walk out with? I I spent. Now here's why I go through the things I bought. I bought three things. Each item cost I, five dollars. I was very proud of this because I've never done this at a swap. I bought a pair of wheels for five dollars. With nice. tires, <laughs> fully inflated, and a fully cassette. Infl- now that's impressive. That actually is impressive. It, these impressive. wheels could be yes. anything, and I think I've, so. The tubes I've work. Yeah, yeah. The tubes the, are worth five dollars. So the the wheels spin. Bucks. The wheels are true. They have a cassette. Like everything. I got. A, I got a pair of wheels. What kind of wheels are they? There's some uh, Dior X. They're five dollars. Five dollars. Five dollars. Yeah. Sorry. Five dollars. Well, but this is okay. the thing: is I wanted to find a pair of twenty-six inch wheels because I have two twenty-six inch mountain bikes and I only have ah, okay. one twenty-six. This is why they were five dollars. Oh, they're twenty-six. <laughs> uh, rim brakes. Okay, you might have you might have overpaid. Uh, I'm going to tell you I didn't overpay because I bought this pair of wheels with tires and a cassette for five dollars yep. for the pair of wheels yep. and they're. Totally perfect, and they work. Somebody else was. Do you selling have a bike for him? Whole, yes, I just said I have two bikes, and I only had one rear wheel. So yes, somebody else at the swap was selling the same wheel, but just the rear wheel, and they're selling it for forty-five. And I heard multiple people like picking it up, going "huh, forty-five, huh," and like mulling it over. And I was like, <laughs> "Suckers!" As I like was like, "I'm holding but the why front and the rear." At that moment, you should have you should have said, "I'll sell this to you for thirty-five." Well, I didn't want to because I was actually super excited of bringing these ones home. Um, all right, all right. Enough okay. about your garbage right, wheels. What else so you did got, you get? So you won. There. Good job. Okay. Yeah. I got, I'll uh, give you marks on that. Yeah. I got an XTR uh, rear derailleur that looks like somebody tried to take the anodizing off of it. It's like all kind of white and like weird looking, <laughs> but it seems to function properly. $5. That's a win. That That's a good that. risk. It's a good risk. XTR, good risk. See if bucks. it's worth it. I mean, okay. it's totally yeah. worth it. It we're, moves. We're, yeah. It it the pulleys spin five dollars. It's gold. And I got a I got a Nitto stem for five dollars. So ah. that can go on eBay now and, I, and make my money back if I decide. That's I don't a want win. It. Like that. So Any on the slow on the slow ride podcast Instagram account, you have a picture of oh. you taking handlebars yes. to the the ice in front of your. House. So I went and I brought along Tom Boone and Tom Boonin. And so this is the bonus items we got. We found a free bin, which okay. pulled out a, a straight steel mountain bike bars, which we proceeded to carry around, which was kind of a pain. But we took it over to the creek across the street afterwards, <laughs> and we smashed some ice with it. So right there, okay. got our money's worth. And they got, a free, they got a free cookie at one of the tables that was giving away chocolate chip cookies. So they were happy. So Okay. I got to say, I feel like I so, won this bike swap pretty well. I mean, I barely spent any good. money. I got stuff I wanted, and we broke some ice and had a cookie. I mean. So what's your, so what were the coolest things you saw there? Coolest things I saw. Uh, there were some cool full bikes. Like there's a nice Colnago frame I saw. There was a couple weird uh, custom builders I'd never heard of, cool bikes that were around. There was the mat- random smattering of cool old campy stuff I do not need, but was gorgeous to look at. Um, one <laughs> cool thing was uh, Monolith, which is a company that makes like uh, uh, 
truing stand parts and like wheel truing bits and uh they they had a stand and they had it's pretty cool chunky like weird 3d printed uh spoke wrenches um and i'd huh. only seen those on the internet and that that was actually really cool to see those in real life they're very nice i i don't know if you guys have trued a wheel re- recently or built a wheel recently i have built a wheel recently and my little park tool uh wrench you know it's it gets in the tight spaces but it also gives me a hand cramp <laughs> you know and like and interesting they had a really good shape check i don't know check those out this is a free advertisement for them um i don't know lots of cool stuff there were some cool local bag companies there always you, are um yeah some cool stuff little guy do you have having experienced the swap uh, as a plebe um <laughs> yeah i can't i can't go back like that though <laughs> do you regret not having a table do you go home to your basement and look around at the things that the dreams that once were that have died <laughs> down there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you see just like, man, I could have moved a lot of this stuff uh, or, or do you have no regrets? No, I couldn't have moved any of the garbage I own. Um, I will tell you one thing I ha- well, I do sort of regret, but it was, it was just too rich for the blood and I don't need another mountain bike, but there was one table that had two Barracuda frames for sale Oh, that's, that's little guy oh, alley right there. Very wow. the street side above it said, and where's ob- that? Obviously with that new set of wheels in hand by that point, I was more tempted because I could have very easily gone home. And with that set with of a wheels, full bike. I mean, I have yeah. the rest of the parts to build that bike up multiple could times have been in the basement. Riding that afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> so, How um, much? Okay. So, so little guy, let's, ra- let's wrap up swap talk with this. What was this the biggest bike swap that you've seen in the Twin Cities? Uh, I mean, uh, total real estate land. The 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 one at the Velodrome was bigger, but this was a lot of people. It was pretty big, and it was it was just a tighter space. So I just don't know if there couldn't have been anyone else. It was as packed as it could possibly be. It was pretty awesome. There was cool stuff. It was great to get back to great a full fledged bike swap. Yep, that's good. All right, let's open up the Slow Ride Podcast email bad make sure you email us at the slow ride podcast at gmail.com where all of your emails are gratefully received first one comes to us from a guy named joe just so you know you have an influence on me below is my cruise cyclocross world pool and in case of a tie the tiebreaker is who from the list will be closest to 16th place and so what uh joe and the rest of his crew do we should we should maybe look at this um, simple rules basically divides the men's and women's fields into like group A, group B. So you get to take one of each, right? So you would have, um, you know, okay. Puck, Lucinda and Alvarado for group A. And then on the group B side, you know, the, you know, Anne Marie Worst and, and others. So you would choose one of each and then that's how you'd get scored out. It was a pretty cool idea. And yeah. I love how 16th place is the, um, is the uh the tiebreaker tie yeah yeah so uh pretty pretty yeah. pretty awesome to see so joe thank you uh for sharing that with us i uh let us know how you did i want to know if uh if you won because back in the day we used to do our own fantasy cycling the three of us and uh, i would always win yeah it was weird he did the scorekeeping too <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it was a very elaborate um spreadsheet for 2005 but yeah, so yeah. let's uh, let's keep going in this inbox. Um, we got two emails um, follow up from friend of the pod, Sean Burns, Burnsy, 
comes to us first uh, a, a photo from Benidorm where it's Van ah. Torn out looking over his shoulder at Wout Van Art. And it's like, don't look over your shoulder because he's about to attack you and beat you, you big dummy, is what uh, uh, Sean had put on there. But um, one of what Sean writes was, weird bike share bikes and twin pump tracks. I was riding in La Horta, or La Herta, the name of the area surrounding Valencia where a lot of local food is grown, and came upon Bisa Millennia's five bike share stations. Check it out. They're shaft drive and airless tires. Ah. So these are tires that look like they have a giant case of drillium all the way around. It's like kind of a solid rubber. Yeah. Um, and Sean goes, I, was, I stopped to inspect these exotic beasts and was surprised to find the tires fairly supple, which is good because while Millennia is tiny and doesn't have many kilometers of streets, uh, the streets they do have are often cobbled. Not pictured as the three-speed twist shifter. And we'll put these pictures up on our um, Instagram this week. And the pump tracks are in the neighboring Pueblo of Albat del Sorales. Man, Sean, just crushing me here. And they are on the edge of an <laughs> abandoned orange orchard and a, follow, and a fallow onion field. You can see the ongoing expansion of the headquarters of one of Spain's largest grocers in the background. There were no little rippers on these pump tracks, but that is not surprising since school was in session. But I did take a couple of hot laps on each track nice. and was sorry to learn that I've been watching too much NASCAR and can only reliably turn to my left. These tracks are provided by the government to encourage the development of the next Valverde. And these pump tracks <laughs> look awesome. We need more of these yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. 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 I, I heard today about a new pump track uh, some are n- northeasty bits of Minneapolis that I didn't know so, about. So there's there's more to investigate. There's also one down in Richfield that I went to uh, so, earlier in the winter. I never been to. It was super fun. I didn't mention it on the show. Friend of the pod, Jen Kratz in uh, West Palm Beach, a multi-time emailer. The one that, that took the world famous photo of the banana in the back of the shorts. Uh-huh. Um, sent. Uh, she's leading up a nonprofit in uh, West Palm Beach to bring a pump track there. And she said that the overall investment to get like the land donated and to build out one of those like Velo Solution, eight like thirty thousand square foot pump track or whatever, like a very large, like considerable large one or whatever, was about three hundred k, three hundred thousand. It seems nothing. like relatively doable for like a. It's not nothing, but for like those those park and rec budgets, yeah. you get that. Huh? Anyways, I guess Jeff Diefenbach writes us immediately after last week's um, podcast where I talked about Bill's amazing Fudo kudos. He says, gentlemen of the leisurely pace, I'm confident that Bill Shiken will be pleased to hear the photo kudos kudos you directed his way. He will not, however, be pleased on his own account. Rather, he will be pleased about his association with another talented shutterbug, none other than Zach Schuster. You see, it is none other than Zach and not the aforementioned Shaikin, who's known for his shooting from the far end of the finishing straight style. Here's one example. Do you agree with that? I feel like it's always been a Bill thing, but I could be wrong. I won't claim to I f- This could be a chicken and egg situation, but I feel like it was a Bill thing. Well, Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't know. No, uh... 
It does. They're 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 teammates. Either way, you know. Both, so uh, awesome. it's one of those things uh, where and, like, uh, does it matter? I don't um, know. There's no time it was to type a witty subject line. <laughs> Just click the link, and then this email comes to us from Andy P. And the item is no longer available. I know this is bad podcast radio, but I will end with this. As Andy P. writes back, currently deep in negotiations. We'll let you know how this pans out. So I don't know what it is. It's a vent. It's a, oh, I know what it is. It's the Taunton. Oh my it's, goodness. No, it's, the, I can see it in the, in the slug on the uh, email. It's <laughs> the Taunton Tappies retro cycling jersey, size medium, of the guy, the guy with the carpet over the shoulder. Oh, oh, Andy, yeah, yeah, please yeah. get this. Yeah. Yeah. Carpet. Uh, maybe it's a baklava rolled up. Nobody knows what it is on his shoulder, but it's huge. Oh, uh, I'm glad you, yeah, I'm glad you uh, were yeah, able I'm to suss you, that I'm out. A, you, you have I'm been a, reading a modern the day books, haven't you, Tim? I'm a right it's old great. detective. Yeah. Um, next one yeah. to us comes from yeah. Robert Kelly. Oh. You may know Robert from Criterium oh. Nation. Dear Matt, Tim, and Spencer, I'm a longtime listener, two-time guest, co-host, and a huge fan of the pod in need of bike purchasing advice from you guys. On a recent winter day driving over to the local bakery down the street, I came to the final and firm conclusion that car culture is killing me. The drive lasted a little over a mile, and in nicer weather, it's a distance that I've walked, but it's the winter and I was buying a lot of stuff. I was just looking at myself in the mirror, in the rear view mirror of the car while I was waiting for somebody in an absolutely ridiculously oversized SUV pull out of a parking spot that was way too small for them, and I saw myself and I caught the glimpse of depression and sadness that went across my face being in a car. I thought to myself, right then, right there, there has to be a much easier, humane, and green way to do this errand. There's a couple of trips, fair number actually, of trips in my life that fall into this category. Ones that can be and should be done by bike. However, the only bikes that I've got in my stable are the carbon race bikes, and those aren't really well suited for carrying loaves of bread or cartons of eggs and other goodies from the local co-op. So this is where I come to you, the sages of sages, for advice. I want to ditch the car. I live in a city whose public transportation system is crumbling, but has a developing bike infrastructure. However, I still need to get around. What type of bike is the best for me? I'm not transporting kiddos, and I do not need to have a ton of carrying capacity. I just want to turn 30-minute walks into 5-minute rides and run to the post office without circling for parking spaces or go across town to the flower store to pick up something for my significantly better, better half. Do I go for an e-bike because I live in a city with some fairly regular steep hills? Should I be hitting up eBay to find out what people have ditched in the past? I just need help. And you guys are my best and only hope. P.S. I can't prove that this is not Spencer. But I swear to you, this is Rob. Just going to comment. Yeah, good, that thing, good thing you didn't say anything the whole time, Spencer. That way just to keep the been... alive there. Yeah. He's definitely not here live because we couldn't be in the same place at the same time. So I appreciate the the voicemail submission. 
It's the first time we've tried this. We're, we're going to keep going, but thank you. Um, it also freed me up from reading that in all of the different uh, pronunciations. But Rob, crush it. So what Rob needs is the soul-destroying one-mile commutes in the car when it's the cold out or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Needs to be replaced by a bike ride. We applaud this move. It is awesome. Welcome to just riding bikes around town. Yeah, I think before we get into the description of what bike to have, I think the three of us should share a little bit. Like, what's your go to? Um, what's your go to in your stable in this situation? So for me, I still have the Mozzie Uno Riser, like the single speed Mozzie. It's got the Portland Design Works uh, six pack basket on the front, so just enough that I can, you know, put a a, a bag up front or whatever with the uh, the cargo net. I love it. It's a just set up single speed, took it off the fix. It's steel. Uh-huh. Ended up uh-huh. running like five hundred dollars retail. Gator, Gator colors, orange and blue. Um, that's mine. What What's your go to in the in a situation like this, little guy? Uh, well, yeah, if I'm not on the cargo bike, uh, like Rob says, he doesn't want. I got the Centurion Track T R A C Track uh, that, with a wall basket a- up front and. Uh, do you got curly bars or is it like swept mustache bars? Uh, swept, swept back, some swept back bars, a little more okay. upright. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a track bike. It's all that jazz. Brakes are for fakes. All right. And what? And, and yourself, Spencer? Uh, ever since we picked up the uh, Larry versus Harry bullet uh, last nope. year, of course, I have not ridden anything else for for uh, grocery getting errands uh, at all. That. Yeah. We got the the e-bullet. Um it is e-assist. It's awesome. It's not cheap. It's about the price of a used car. Um worth it though. But it is absolutely worth it. No gas, no taxes, no insurance, no anything else and literally the most fun I've had on yeah. a bike maybe ever. Um so that's my my A plus recommendation. I don't expect everybody <laughs> to be able to go out and yeah. and yeah. pick these things up, but uh uh, Rob, I hope you're prepared to get two pieces of bad advice and then my so advice the, as well. So the uh, e-bullet is an awesome idea, but again... Um, I, that was not my spending. suggestion for Rob. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I, I I, do think he should pick up an e-bike uh, of some kind, probably with something with panniers. <laughs> like, that's all he needs. Too bad because... we're not recording this on video, because little guy's smugness in his face when you said e-bike, he's a... It's not a bike. Oh, the answer is twenty-six inch mountain bike with a basket up front. I mean, that's the that's the gateway drug Rob needs. Either uh, like a twenty-six inch, like steel, rigid mountain bike with you, the swept back bars. You guys have been to DC before, right? Yeah, but like, what you need shocks on the front for the potholes? No, 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 no. The the nation's capital. They 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 know where to spend our tax money, and it's not. It's not in your neighborhoods. Um, yeah. But the the thing that you're missing, the critical piece is, I know, little guy, it's been a long time since you've really raced a bike. I know you did one event this year, but I, let's be honest. And Tim as well, not, not a lot of racing in these legs lately. No, Rob's out there crushing it. it. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, doing yeah. the training blocks. He's he's yeah. doing the big the big races, the That's big events. He needs, a town, he needs a townie bike. No, he needs to keep the legs supple. When the ride is not going on training peaks, 
He needs yeah. he needs an easy, needs, carefree ride where he can he get a, there and back no. without thinking about a, it. He needs a bar bike. He, he needs really, a bar bike with a walled basket rides. on the front. He's becoming yeah. recovery like, rides. Does not need a bar bike to go to the co-op, Tim. You think? Yes. Maybe, maybe I don't think he's going to the co-op. He's going to like K Street lobbying firms and stuff, going to hang out, trying to. Trying he to... literally said the co-op in his message. Nah, he's yeah. gonna put the briefcase in that basket. Yeah, I I think yeah. Spencer. I think the e-bike, mountain bike, cargo bikes. Are, I think we all three agree as carbo cargo bike owners that it is the greatest thing, but it is a big financial plunge. It's a big space deal. It's a whole lot, and maybe you don't need it. But I kind of think even if you don't have a kid and all these things that we have to carry, like Spencer got a cargo bike and he's <laughs> on the bus and as well, you know, like once you have it, you realize that like almost every car trip outside other than a few, you know, outside so your city or something, you can turn into a cargo bike trip for like any sort of large thing. Like how often do you actually yeah. need to haul like a lot of lumber? If you just have to haul so a little bit of lumber, your cargo bike's probably good, you know? But yeah. Beyond Absolutely. that, like any bike that can put a big basket on, gravy. Yeah, it's that's all. That's all Rob needs. He's only I've riding always a mile. He doesn't need the full. Really bike. hated riding any bike that I've owned that I put a front basket on. It's yeah. a terrible experience, and I don't like it. And I can't believe you guys are. That's because you uh, probably suggesting it, Spencer. You probably put I, a basket on that like seven hundred twenty six inch like GT track bike like back in the day. No, like that I sort put of a basket. Like, you put it on, on the bike. front. Of my on one, which yeah. is a commuter style bike, and I put the Paul uh, basket on there, which is super fancy and too expensive, and way too expensive. Did not. It just front weights the bike, and it steers weird. You can't like you don't have a good experience. I would say Fender so, uh, like Panier style or uh, Extra Cycle style cargo bike is my little. I love my little uh, PDW six pack. Um, Basket on the can't front. even fit the briefcase in that. No, but that's why you no you, you, you fit a six pack in there. You can't for, fit the suit that you got to change into when um, you get to work. Well, but thanks again for uh, for writing that one, uh, Rob. But let's give a, I want to give a major shout out to um, our Slow Ride podcast uh, correspondent that toured down under. We talked briefly last week about Michael um, and all of the work that Michael put in. Little uh. guy did some lifting, and we've got. On the scene reporting with tons of, it's basically a slow ride podcast showed up in Australia for for cheap and free. Um, <laughs> we're gonna the have spring to find training a, report ahead of the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, like this this is dynamite. So we're gonna we're gonna take a listen to that um, before uh, kicking it out. But uh, yeah, take a listen. Uh, Mick Turnbull from Aussie Corner representing the Slow Ride podcast um, and. Getting on the national television in the Slow Ride Podcast t-shirt. <laughs> G'day, Slow Riders. This is Mick, your unofficial, official Slow Ride correspondent from Country Beautiful Australia. And this is my wrap of the Tour Down Under. For those of you who may not live in the best country in the world and don't understand where we are, Adelaide is actually in the south of Australia. Well, you might think that it'd make for cool temperatures. Oh my God, you'd be wrong. It was hot as balls over there. So I thought we'd break this into two parts. First of all, we might talk about the official statistics and what happened during the race, and we can talk about what happens behind the scenes. The TDU is a six-stage race that stretches over 824.6 kilometres. And while we don't have the uh, massive 
mountains of Alp d'Huez or the Pyrenees, you'll find that Adelaide is ringed by rolling hills. There's constantly a uh, up or down gradient, very rarely any flat ground to ride on. So he might go straight to Sam Wellsford from Bora Handsgrower. He won stages one, three and four and he took out the uh, Zip Track Sprint jersey. He was by far and away the best sprinter in the field. Uh, a lot of the, the uh, finishes are uphill kicks and he just dominated throughout. Stage two was won by Isaac Del Toro Romero from UAE Team Emirates and he held on to that uh, race winner's jersey for quite a few days there and ended up being the young rider uh, winner at the end of the classification. Where it really got exciting was stage five. Uh, that was at the hill of Walanga Hill. And uh, it came right down to the end where Oscar Onley and Stephen Williams both ended up on the same time. In the end, it came down to stage six where Stephen Williams uh, took the overall um, and he ended up taking the jersey outright for the race. A notable second was Jonathan Narvaez from Ineos Grenadiers, uh, who had a good race too. And uh, funny enough, had the nicest looking truck in the uh, caravan following on. The uh, Ineos Grenadier is actually a very good-looking vehicle. Isaac Del Toro Romero came third. Um, very close at the end. He was looking for that first place, but just didn't have that kick at the end of the, uh, the final hill. And one of note for us Aussies is uh, Luke Burns, who um, took out the FX King of the uh, Mountain and was part of the ARA Australian cycling team. So slow riders... What was happening behind the scenes? Well, I've got a scoop for you. It's a major development. You heard it here first. There was a significant discovery of crack in the peloton. Yes, crack. But not in jiffy bags. And there was no involvement from Astana this time. I mean, bum crack. Major bum crack. The offending team, Sudal Quickstep. They seem to not notice that when the bus pulls up to a race, funny enough, there were people present and children. Which begs the question, how low is the regulation height of Nicks to be worn when in the relaxed position? I would have thought no lower than a tradie and certainly not lower than a plumber. But at Sudal, the guys there wore them so low that I reckon I could have probably racked my bike. To Team DSM, I say, where's your manners, boys? Everybody knows that cyclists like coffee, but what is the etiquette? Whilst waiting just outside a coffee shop on stage three, a significant number of riders from Team DSM jumped the barricades about 10 minutes prior to race start to run over and get a coffee. Now, there's no Starbucks in these little towns, but it was just a country little coffee shop with a line about 50 deep of spectators. The riders in question just jumped the queue, went straight to the front, made the announcement something along the lines of, sorry all, hope you don't mind, just need some pre-race caffeine. There were a few murmurs, but no one seemed to mind too much. But I ask, what is the etiquette here? Moving on to Julian Alphilippe. Julian and I were having a great conversation about how he was enjoying life and his family and his leadership roles and, you know, how much time he had left in the peloton. And we got on to that old chestnut of retirement. And I said, oh, how long you got to go? And he said to me, well, maybe I go one more year, maybe two more. To which I quickly replied, Quite thoughtfully, I thought, well, will you do a Peter Sagan and try mountain biking or cross? To which he snapped, Peter who? And he turned and he walked away, never to be seen again. Who I did, however, see after stage three was one Binium Gourmet. I uh, managed to sneak into the uh, press area wearing my homemade Slow Ride podcast shirt and a press vest that someone left lying around. 
Uh, they were asking various questions. And this one here is for you, Tim. Uh, they were talking to Bimium about the fact that he'd come close on a couple of occasions, and I asked him, if you're going to beat Sam Wellsford in a sprint, do you think you'd do better in a moots? To which he replied, no, my cycling shoes are fine, thanks. And it's this occasion I'd like to pass my thanks to Team Jake Owalula. It's very kind of you to set up all your food right up against the barriers at the side of the fence where everyone can reach across and help themselves. To be fair, they had the best spread in the peloton. They had uh, two tables full of food, which unlike other, some other teams, which has had their food thrown around like my uh, son's floor in my bedroom, was a really good setup. So uh, thank you, Team Jake Owalula. So to this point, I'd like to give out my awards, my unofficial awards to the uh, peloton uh, for this year's TDU. And the first award does go to uh, Team Jake Owalula. It's called the Piss Taking Award. If you're not sure what piss-taking is, it's basically making fun of your friend for your own amusement. And uh, Jake did a great job of that. Uh, every uh, player there seemed to have a number of stickers that they had great fun sticking on the back of or on the equipment of other teams constantly, especially throughout Stage 3. It was a competition to see who could get the, uh, the most stickers on people, and uh, I did see a number of riders and teams and vehicles uh, from other teams all covered in Jayco stickers. So that was a lot of fun there. Well done, Jayco, for your unofficial piss-taking award. The Captain's Serious Award goes to uh, one Filippo Ganner, who, when I tried to interview him, had almost nothing to say to every question I had. So well done, Pipo. Top interview there. Um, stick to the riding, buddy. The nicest guy in the Peloton Award goes to uh, Robert Gessink. He was actually more interested in knowing about my family and what I do for a living in my riding than he was about me knowing about his. So thank you for the uh, lovely conversation, Robert. Um, he's retiring next year. Uh, he's still looking to stick around in cycling and do some different things, not as a, uh, a manager of a team or whatever, but just, um, just enjoying being around riding still. So thank you, Robert. It was a really wonderful conversation. And with that, I'd like to say a big thank you to Tim, Matt and Spencer for allowing me to be their Tour Down Under Slow Ride Podcast official, unofficial, preem lap reporter. And just a reminder to them that my wife is still waiting for all your shirt sizes so she can make you your very own Slow Ride Podcast uh, preem lap reporter shirts. And reminding you all to always say g'day to all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. Oh, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Crikey. Amazing. That's so good. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Michael. Um, but more importantly, we'd like to thank all the listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Because of you, we're able to get Michael Turnbull on the ground at the Tour Down Under. We spent big bucks on that. And then we're glad it panned out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> totally did. All right. Find us on Instagram and x twitter whatever you're calling it at the slow ride pod you can also email us at the slow ride podcast at gmail.com where all of your emails are gratefully received and check us out at wideanglepodium.com how you can become a subscribing and donating member by going to wideanglepodium.com slash donate and with that this is tim in the city beautiful orlando florida this is matt in city beautiful minneapolis minnesota and this is Spencer in the city beautiful Holyoke, Massachusetts, reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. 
theslowridepodcast.com and on Twitter at theslowridepod. an elegance to bike racing. For all its technology and engineering, it's a simple question of physics. How do you move a body through space as quickly and efficiently as possible? When the rider and the machine work as one, it's almost as if the solid world has melted away and all that remains is the spirit, the pure, raw, and unfiltered soul of sport. Life is measured in many units, miles, kilometers, kilos, and pounds, but we measure it one corner at a time. We've entered the golden age of crit racing, the most exciting spectator event in sport, where all of human drama plays out before us on our city streets. On this show, we bring you the news of the day and take you inside the personalities of the teams and riders and right up to the gates of the premier events in the world. Welcome to Criterium Nation. (laughs) 